Mike wants us to uh, crap some bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. it! Welcome! Welcome. And a warm salutations to the Naked Apple. Here <laughs> I come to wreck the day! Whatever joy you thought you were having today is gone now because you're listening to us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do our best to keep it. You have to out. invest it to help it to grow. <laughs> <laughs> nothing ventured, nothing gained. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> Still ventured. <laughs> Still ventured. <laughs> Congratulations. You are now the proud owner of one big pile of anyway. <laughs> well, on that note, let's let's uh, increase the joy exponentially. Exponential, exponential growth Exponential growth on joy. Compounded Com- interest yes. on joy. Yes, indeed. I think we should start it with some vitamin B because that's what every good growing joy needs. Vitamin. Oh, God. B. Yay. Welcome to your vitamin B. Thank you. We come to you today with news in hand <laughs> and foot. <laughs> And every other orifice we can hold news in. It's just overflowing. It's overflowing with news. Brimming with news. Speaking of things that are brimming, Trump indicted for Hawaii wildfire. (laughs) Gosh dang it. Once again. (laughs) Speaking of Hawaii, disaster relief plane flies over Hawaii on its way to Ukraine. (laughs) We As any ya. good disaster relief off. plane should. Mm-hmm. A Hawaiian officials have asked whoever stole the ancient fire god Tiki statue to please return it. ASAP. Glances at Maui. <laughs> <laughs> please. In other news, country music industry confused by man actually from country making actual music. <laughs> <laughs> They've never seen it before. Vas is das. This is personal to me. This is personal. (laughs) Speaking of the music industry, backup dancers say they are tired of living in Lizzo's shadow. (laughs) That's a big statement. Bold, even. (laughs) It's huge. (laughs) Massive. (laughs) Kind of news you don't just roll over with. It's... uh, Massachusetts starting to wonder if Trump was onto something with that whole build the wall thing. <laughs> Speaking of Trump, Trump indicted for mocking U.S. women's soccer. That makes sense, really. It really does. The patron it does. saints. 
Speaking of indictments, Democrats say it'll take a lot more than eyewitness testimony, bank records, audio, video, complete confessions for them to believe Biden did anything wrong. Yes, you have to have an accusation out of whole cloth. Yes. 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 Uh, in other news, Democrats hire a professional puppeteer to continue operating Diane Feinstein. <laughs> Five nights at Freddy's. And the Republican National Committee combs beach seeking possible replacement for Mitch McConnell. Just <laughs> <laughs> find a new turtle. <laughs> Should have had the uh, 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 space balls audio queued up for that one. All right. <laughs> White House says Bidenomics are so successful that the average American now has twice as many jobs as they had two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just jobs on jobs. Yes, indeed. Our neighbors up north are shocked and confused. Trudeau's divorce leaves nation in shock. That he was married to a woman. <laughs> nobody knew. <laughs> and nobody would have guessed. And last but not least in your news batch today, Trump charged with questioning election results while not being a Democrat. Yes. The highest crime. Wow, that was abrupt. Very. Didn't, <laughs> do you even have time to say this has been to... the vitamin B? It's he just... didn't. He completely so... missed. This has been your vitamin B. It's too late now, jackass. <laughs> well, I feel uplifted. <laughs> We're going to have to cut Ecom's face. We are. We are. That kind of falling short. Like he changed his whole accent and everything. Misses a week and he thinks he can just cut corners. <laughs> apparently apparently gosh wow <sighs> well speaking of hilarious news joe biden <laughs> yes oh wait was that not the joke well i mean it will be a joke technically he is a joke he is the joke <sighs> um do you like firearms of course. You guys like yes. firearms? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Do you like buying accessories for firearms? Yes. Generally speaking, yes. Generally speaking, yes. Yes, yes. Um, the Democrats uh, have proposed a 1,000% excise tax on assault weapons and large-capacity magazines. So what you're telling me is that we're going to start selling assault weapons and accessories for a penny-plus donation. I like the way you think. <laughs> Although I'm sure the uh, yeah, businesses that would do so probably would struggle to maintain said business. <laughs> Aren't AR-15s like $500? Depends on so what you get. I don't know. If you only charged me $10 for a, an AR, I might donate a couple grand <sighs> to I, your, your yeah. business to keep you floating. So that would, that would ah, mean that yes. like an AR-15 under this tax system would cost somewhere around six thousand dollars you can easily expect to pay a thousand dollars for an ar-15 uh not yeah fall apart no it yet. would cost a lot more than that yeah so okay you, so uh, an ar-15 is like a thousand dollars thousand bucks plus okay, so eleven thousand percent excise tax means it's going to cost eleven thousand dollars eleven thousand oh my gosh 
Yes. To buy a thousand dollars. And then if you want to buy some extra magazines for that uh, AR, they come in at 30, 50 bucks a pop times a thousand dollars added onto that or a thousand percent added onto that. So one penny plus a thousand percent tax would be ten dollars. Done. So one thousand dollars times a thousand percent tax. Right. No, that's we're talking percents here. So it's ten times. A thousand percent is ten times. Yes. Yes. So it'd be eleven oh, you're right. cents. So it'd be yeah, eleven cents. Yeah. I actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I figured it out. I figured it out. I figured it out. You charge a penny or whatever for the firearm, and then there's a service fee attached to that. <laughs> Of five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's gonna be ways to work around it. Oh, so many ways. <laughs> I bet they'll call it the gun show loophole. We're not coming for your guns. We're just going to make it impossible to own them. I feel like every oh. time they've done this sort of thing, number one, it fails, but it also creates a spike in sales when there's any fear whatsoever. Something like this would. Be Democrats are the best. Uh, um, firearm salesman. Yes. Yeah, during the Trump presidency, yeah. there was a slump. They called it the Trump slump. Yes, gun I, sales. I felt that because I got laid off from where I was working, which was in the firearm industry. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Sucked because it was the best job I ever had. Um, on top of that, Joe Biden is looking to work with the, AI, the uh, ATF in creating an executive order where if you sell a firearm, any firearm, you have to have a federal firearms license in order to do so. And, and that's where that kind of workaround would get hung up because they would make one of the requirements for the federal thing that you don't do shit like that. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But again, they're not, we're not going after your guns. We're just making it impossible to own. Oh. Oh, that's Yeah, fine. just like they weren't going after your gold. Yeah, back in World War II. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going after your gold. We're just making it impossible to own it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, firearm salesmen, uh, the Biden administration, and also in this, the we're almost on the anniversary of uh, the botched uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. Oh yes. Um, since okay. since then, the Biden administration has been the single largest donor to to, to the Taliban. Oh, and that's not counting the equipment we left behind. Not counting that. Not counting that. Wow. We have sent $2.3 billion in funds to Afghanistan. Like just cash to the just Taliban. Cash. To the freaking Taliban. No, they sent it to Afghanistan. Hmm. Not the Taliban. They sent it to Afghanistan. They they want it to they want it to be clear. We've and sent so it who to Afghanistan. Runs Afghanistan. So who who got the money? Uh, it's semantics. Um <laughs> Yeah, too. I mean, I have to say, like, at, Biden is like the worst money launderer, but also the best. The worst in the sense that everyone knows what he's doing, but the best in the sense that he apparently keeps getting away with somehow, it. somehow. Yeah, some way. Two point three five billion to Afghanistan reconstruction and humanitarian efforts since twenty twenty one. Uh huh. That's what it was used for. Um, never mind that Russia and China have moved in to Afghanistan as well and have been working with the Taliban and 
trade deals and and human trafficking, and human trafficking, and mineral rights, and yeah, yeah. yeah the feminists don't things. seem to care about that one. No, why would they? No, that's over there, not here. Yeah, exactly. Yep. In a shock to me and probably lots of others, Governor Cox of Utah actually was not happy with Joe Biden. Wait, are you saying that Cox is upset that he got Cox blocked? <laughs> he got Cox blocked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Wait, that's, hey, that's, that's my, my move. move. That's hey. my move. <laughs> can, I, can I sue him? <laughs> I stole my move. <laughs> so, uh, was it last week we talked about the uh, nuclear plant in Georgia opening up? That's, uh, that was yes, last week, right? Yes. That nuclear plant requires uranium. Uranium. Yes. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. Um, well, Governor Cox is a little upset because things like that actually help Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, where Joe Biden was visiting. And Joe Biden went ahead and used the national parks, whatever powers he has to just, here's this is a national park. Nobody can touch it. Uh, to create a national monument on top of what happens just coincidentally to be the largest, richest uranium deposit in the United States. Didn't uh, Trump during his presidency reduce the amount of federal land yes. in states like Utah? Yes, he withdrew, yes. he withdrew the Bears Ears thing, which was also on top of some of the richest and biggest oil deposits in the Southwest. Well, it sounds to me like if you support mining, then... And uh, Joe Biden promptly reversed you should vote republican reversal yeah you would think just a that. thought you would think that but then there's pennsylvania that somehow voted for joe biden after he said he's going to shut down pennsylvania's key export which was oil oil right. and coal yeah <laughs> 81 million votes supposedly speaking of oil and coal uh, this is from a couple years ago, but it's rolled across my feed of stuff. If we treat beef like coal, it would make a big dent in greenhouse gas emissions. Because beef produces uh, 24 times as much CO2 than coal. Huh. Because, you know, the cows go around and be cows and fart. And that creates bad stuff for the environment. But all of the other animals in the world that also go around and fart apparently aren't as big of a deal. So, you know, you should have tofu or something like that instead because that, that uses less CO2. Also has a lot of estrogen. Yeah. High in estrogen, oh, and it's extremely processed, which means it has to go through lots of energy consumption to make the tofu via coal power yeah. or something else like that. <laughs> no, I went through a vegetarian phase, and I actually ate tofu. I'm sorry. Biggest regret of my life. <laughs> this is actually disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> If that kind of uh, diet was actually one that should be strictly held, they wouldn't be trying to make all of it taste like meat. 
It's tofurkey. What in the world is tofurkey? It's it's freaking weird is what it is. It's turkey made out of tofu. You mean it's tofu made to look like turkey. It's the same thing. No. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> you want some tofu bacon? I would rather die. <sighs> so Trump's going through his uh, indictments and such. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember a while ago, Andy No was attacked by I Antifa during that, yeah. the uh, Black Lives Matter stuff or something like that a couple years ago. Um, whoa, whoa. The defense attorney threatened the jury. Yeah. That's like not okay. And one, the defense threatened the jury and one. This, of course, happened up in uh, Portland, Oregon. So, you know, there's that. But in closing statements, defense counsel Michelle Burroughs told the jurors that not only does she self-identify as an anti-fascist, she strongly declared, I am Antifa, and insisted upon making herself an I am Antifa t-shirt, which the activist attorney said she would wear after the trial. In spite of Antifa's well-documented history of violence, Burroughs told the jury that Antifa's unfavorable reputation is untrue and depicted the organized militants as activists fighting for social justice and civil rights. Resistance in this country has never been peaceful, Burroughs argued in defense of Antifa, admitting that those tormentors were, in fact, terrorists. Huh. Rather than taking the time to provide evidence as to why the defendant should be free of life. Oh, by the way, Andy No almost died in this attack. Yeah. Uh, he was beaten severely, and they chased him down. And they, they had text communications and phone call recordings of them basically live feeding where his location was so they could hunt him down and beat him after they beat him already. Um, <clears throat> rather than taking time to provide evidence as to why... Uh, the defendant should be free of liability. Bro, uh, Burroughs instead uh, defended anti-fascism and attacked No's credibility as a journalist. Burroughs also told juror, jurors that she, quote, will remember each one of their faces, end quote. That's terrifying. Yeah. It's this sort of thing that makes me think that our justice system is just becoming a banana republic. Yeah. How do how do these judges get into these positions? I, I don't know. The, the judge did point out that the jurors were concerned about their safety and being doxxed. Um, people were trying to identify them and stuff. Um, so under threat of death and whatever, the jury decided that Andy No had no case against Antifa in Portland. Hmm. Hmm. So it was a botched trial. Should have been, but it wasn't. January 6th committee. Uh, there was... Uh, McCarthy uh, basically made a committee to investigate the January 6th committee. <laughs> and in the investigation, they found, shocking, that uh, the January 6th committee have either destroyed evidence or improperly documented the location of the evidence so that it couldn't be found. Uh, sure. Yeah. No. So, in other words, they think we're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing was indexed. There was no table of context index. Usually when you conduct this level of investigation, you use a database system and everything is digitized. Indexed. We got nothing like that. 
so it took us a long time going through it. And one thing I started realizing is we don't have anything much at all from the blue team. The blue team is the capital security. The committee that was in charge of probing capital security. So the uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi was the head of all of that because she was the Speaker of the House. And on down through the uh, Capitol Police. That was what they were supposed to look at. And that evidence is just, I don't know. It's just gone. Don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were using it to throw Grandma in jail for going on a guided tour through the Capitol. But we don't have it. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Banana Republic. The Biden... <laughs> so Biden's got... Uh, Wait, wh- hold on, hold on. I want to I go back into this. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. Destroyed document uh-huh. thing. Okay, so let me, let me go back to this. So um, when you get control of the House, you get, I believe it's called subpoena power. Is that right? And so, so that's how you can form these investigations. Mm-hmm. So the January 6th committee was because the Democrats uh, won the House back in 2020, or I'm sorry, 2018, and then again in 2020, uh-huh. right? They controlled uh-huh. the House during uh-huh. that time. Uh-huh. And the January 6th committee was their investigation that they conglomerated together yes. because they won the House. Yes. And then in 2022, Republicans won the House, although it will be just barely. Still mad about that, by the way. Uh-huh. But... <clears throat> Um, point is now we have the power to create uh, investigation. So we created an investigation into the January 6th investigation. And as soon as we did that, they're like, the evidence is all gone. What we were doing with American taxpayer money during that time is just all gone. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think the conclusion of this is this was clearly intentional because why does this always happen? Anytime that there's something damaging to Democrats or the elite, it's just gone. Like it happened with the Hillary Clinton emails because she wiped the server and she almost got away with it until the, um, well, the, she did get away with hold it. Hold on. I was getting to that <laughs> until the Anthony Weiner things. And that opened up an investigation. And then ultimately she did get away with it because, uh, the head of the FBI said, Oh, well, you know, she didn't intend to yeah she's guilty but she didn't it. mean to yeah exactly yeah. which again <laughs> going back to the trump indictments just proves um because again you can make an argument that trump um, mishandled classified documents but again given that they exonerated hillary clinton because she supposedly didn't mean to even though she put it on a hackable server <laughs> and trump was just waving documents around and- and deliberately cut off top secret from the top of the page when she copied them to her yeah. server. So anyway, point is what Trump, like what Hillary Clinton did was way worse and she ultimately got away with it. But point she is... She had to pay a fine. <laughs> 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 yes, like fines are, you know, but yes, material for rich people. Congress does have subpoena power. However, how do they enforce a subpoena? Um... The law, I guess. The Department of Justice. Who controls the Department of Justice? The, the executive. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Gosh dang it. Thanks for helping me th- think through that one. I never said, at the beginning of the S episode, did we not say, <laughs> this was not going to be fun. <laughs> and yet, here you are, still listening, hoping, <laughs> upon hope, that there's something in here. Anyway, but again, and then the... Um, I mean, this is this is not a government uh, 
conspiracy per se, but the uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, well, yes, we did have him on tape in his cell, but, you know, just those moments when he got murdered, I mean, committed, su- committed suicide, those that those tapes are just gone. I Guard, don't know what happened to Guards didn't him. notice they were shopping for furniture Oh, yeah, and the, the guards, time. the guards, they, like, fell asleep. No, they were shopping for furniture. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah they were on the computer. That's the official story? Shopping for furniture at the time. So they didn't notice that the cameras stopped working, and they didn't notice him screaming or anything in the cell. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the official story. Like, but hey, they put Ghislaine Maxwell in jail. They locked her up for child trafficking to nobody. Yeah, didn't she have clients or something? No, no, no. she was just trafficking children to nobody. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel so much better now. Um, maybe this will help, Keith. Maybe, anyway, maybe, maybe so, this one will help. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, is every time this sort of thing happens, my conclusion is they think you're stupid. Like yeah. they're just going to be like, oh, it wasn't us. I don't know what happened. Once or twice is incompetence. Continual results in your favor is not incompetence. <laughs> maybe this one will help you. So uh, when you become president, you have a transition team. It's usually your campaign staff, mostly. And usually they end up becoming. I didn't part. know you had to be trans to be president. Well, today's thing, you know, it's in the. You got to use some uh, lemon and a hair dryer to find it in the Constitution, but it's there. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyways, Biden's border policies are atrocious at best, and uh, one of the officials from Biden's transition team was caught on camera saying that the border crisis is a boom for his business via what is his business well he gets a bunch of government grants for helping people on the border helping people on the border Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we'll talk more about that next week it's uh (laughs) yeah uh senior official who handled immigration policy huh on President Joe Biden's transition team was caught on video bragging about how he used the border crisis to help unqualified organizations secure billions of dollars in non-compete federal contracts to detain immigrant children and adults. It's been a boom for my business, said Andrew Lorenzen Strait during one of several recorded conversations with Project Veritas, a conservative nonprofit group. Yeah, that guy's not a sex trafficker at all. No. And you look at the little picture of him, he's definitely not a pedophile. No. Nah. Not in the slightest. <clears throat> millstones. Make millstones great again. Mm-hmm. Impeachment. Articles of impeachment are ready, just not officially filed. Four articles are there. And Mitch McConnell spoke up about it. Uh, he warned that an impeachment on Biden is not good for the country. Oh, you don't say... But keeping Biden, a known, provable criminal who's extorting the U.S. and being extorted himself to promote and improve his family wealth, that is not damaging to the country. He needs to go away. Yeah. Real fast. I really admired McConnell during his Supreme Court pick, you know, during that time, but 
Not great. Yeah. Still mad at him about the Alaska Senate race in 2022. <clears throat> He's definitely not taking barking orders from China either, what with his wife being deeply involved with Chinese businesses. Just, yeah. Um, on that front, depending on where you l- look for this story, uh, we'll tell you whether which way the article leads. So this one from uh, uh, the post-millennial. 30 million Americans say violence is justified to keep Trump from power, according to a University of Chicago study. How many million? 30 million. 30 million? How, how, how did they come up with that number? I'm guessing they took a large sample and then just took that percentage as a thing for the whole country. Now, if you go to a left-leaning type site, it'll tell you that 12.5 million Americans say violence is justified to get Trump into power. And that's what the headline leads with. And the one that I read did not have the 30 million Americans thing in their article, nor did they have a link to (laughs) the study. I mean, that's almost... 10% 10% of the population. Almost. Almost. <laughs> so, would be uh, more than 10% of the voting population, though. So, oh, yes. uh, it was a total of 3,543 adults were polled in the survey in June of 2023. Um, but the study found that 11.6% of U.S. adults agreed that a use of force is permissible to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. This amounts to around 30 million people. What I find fascinating is when you talk to the, like the average Joe on the street, you know, like most of them don't even know what the indictments entail. No, they're just like, Oh yeah, Trump should go to jail. It's like, okay, what did he do? He should go to jail. (laughs) He was indicted. He's like a criminal, I guess. Okay. For what crimes? And most people, yes. Most people don't understand what an indictment is either. It's the prosecution goes to a jury and says, I have this evidence. We need to bring him in to have a trial. Yeah. And the jury says, okay, let's bring him in to have a trial. That's basically how it goes with every single indictment. (laughs) Remind me again, why do we do the jury thing again? Why is that a good idea? A jury of your peers? Yeah. Why? Like, We've been doing that for a long time, but why why is it a good idea? Because I keep hearing like, oh yeah, the Washington DC case, it's crap, but he's going to, you know, be prosecuted in DC probably because it's in Washington DC. It's like, okay, why why is that a good idea to do the jury thing? Well, theoretically, <laughs> in theory and in practice until a few years ago a trial by jury meant that people who have zero experience being a lawyer, zero experience trying to lie about every single aspect of life would decide with basically their emotions against the evidence provided, whether or not someone deserves a penalty that the judge has agreed is a penalty for their crime. And why is that a good system? Because like the, even in theory, just tell me in theory. Because the system that was in place before was a system that England had, where it was the judge was appointed by the king. Oh, I see. So and the, the judge followed the orders of the king; otherwise, he wasn't a judge anymore. <laughs> this one takes it out of the judge's hands for the and most into part, the hands of a and jury, into the hands of the people, which 
it's a representation. Yeah, it's some kind of a representation yes. of the like the place that you live. It's but. basically the people deciding if that person is fit to be in the society in which they live. Gotcha. Which is fair. Or at least was. For the most part. Until we they get immoral. doxxed and all this. Because the jury is supposed to be, you're not supposed to know who the jury is. Because like to quote, um, is it Benjamin Franklin, a republic, if you can keep it? Yes. Or what? No, no, no. Yes. Um, the, uh, Something about the constitu or the republic is for a moral and religious people. Uh, what what quote? Who quoted that Adam. one? One of the Adams. Okay. Anyway, point is, assuming we have a moral and religious people, sounds like a decent system. It works every time. But that's not what we have anymore. <laughs> well, what gives you that idea? <laughs> have you ever been to a Walmart? <laughs> and I and I was thinking about this because I understand the sentiment on both sides of or Starbucks. Uh, using violence to get what you want. And on the conservative side, the growing calls for violence is nothing's working, nothing's working. We need to do something more violent to get what we want done. That's called terrorism. It is. <clears throat> and if we go through lessons of history, the founding of our country, the steps that were taken was to exhaust every single resource before violence was used yes and they did exhaust every single resource available to them through the legal system through all that stuff before they decided this is all one-sided in favor of the king so but the tipping point do you know what the tipping point was um it was a very strange movie i'm gonna was wasn't it the Boston Massacre? No. I'm I'm not sure. The shot heard around the world was the tipping point. The Battle of Lexington and Concord. Why why would that be a tipping point? Well, it was a tipping point cuz the British soldiers were marching through town, they decided to shoot them. No. The British soldiers were specifically looking for firearms. When the British came to confiscate firearms, after all other avenues were exhausted, that is when the hot war began and the cold war ended. Mm. And then a year after that is when they were able to get together and create the Declaration of Independence for them to unify behind as a cause to go behind instead of just saying we hate the king it was the king is wrong because of all these and we have a right to be separate from him because of this mm. so that was the tipping point violence if you are the instigator of the violence historically speaking you lose every time especially when you have no moral right to do so when you've exhausted everything and you are still morally right and you are using violence to defend those moral rights, like a right to arm yourself, a right to speak, all that stuff. Yeah. Then will your cause be just and positive things can come from it. So yeah, don't go rioting in the street just because Trump is put in jail. There are still avenues to correct the course that is nonviolent currently. Disney World. Disney, Disney, Disney. 
They Who are they grooming today? Yes. They decided it wasn't enough with everything else they've done to groom kids with their latest shows, their flopped movies, their uh, hairy men dressed as Cinderella as you go into this princess shop. No, they decided to go one step further and have some mentally insane man do a a uh, how-to video on how to dress like Minnie Mouse. Are you kidding me? There was a man. Th- this is an actual like this. Is this some TikToker or is this actually sponsored by Disney? This is a TikToker, Tiki Talker, sponsored by Disney on Disney's TikTok. So it is spot on Disney's TikTok. They they're sponsoring a video of a man dressing up and doing makeup or whatever as Minnie Mouse. Sean Altman, who is an alleged transgender influencer, but is a man, also known as a man with a mental illness, appeared in a promotional TikTok video for Disney Style. The channel focuses on promoting Disney-inspired makeup and outfit tutorials, DIY projects, and all things Disney art and fashion. There's also a YouTube channel of the same name. I really don't understand why... um large companies like this insist on doing this to their intellectual properties. Cause like for, for a large company like Disney, Disney, their IPs are a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. And they go after people for miss like improperly mm-hmm. using their characters likeness. Uh-huh. And the reason they do that is because that can like influence the, uh, the impression people have when they see their IP. Yes. It's a really big deal. Yes. Like and from and a, they have to fight it every time. Otherwise they will lose every time. Yeah. And so, and then one day they come out with this and like that is that, that causes like that, that causes influence to their IP. Yes. You think parents are going to like show their kids Minnie Mouse, like from now on any of them, if Disney is putting out things like this that are so repulsive, especially after Bud Light. Yep. And this, this is an insane market strategy. And the critique may be that Disney doesn't actually run that site. And that may be true. However, they allow it to be up. They allow it to use their IP. They allow a mentally deranged man to dress as Minnie Mouse. Well, once again, it's sponsored. You would think that they would have some kind of rules or uh-huh. something that they need uh-huh. to abide by before, like someone uh-huh. would need to okay this content uh-huh. is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And if they're doing this to their own IPs, like they're only shooting themselves in the in the foot. And isn't Disney like losing tons of money? Let me look at their stock yes, price. Yes, they are. Hold on. I'm looking at their stock price right now. They are losing tons of money. They are losing tons of subscribers to Disney Plus. Disney, Um, Yahoo Finance. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Pulling this up in real time. How's so their work? stock price was at a high at around February 2021 at $189 a share. Now they're down to $87 a share. And they have not been that low. This is, like, I, I would have to go, let's see. I would have to go beyond the five year to find out when they were la- last that low. So they were last 
that low around 2014. Which, if you look at the performance of the S and P 500, like that is, that is horrifying. <laughs> you hate to see it. You hate to. Yeah, see from it. a business <laughs> from a business perspective, that is just horrifying. But yeah, like they're shooting themselves in the foot if they're doing this with their IPs. Um, so in yeah, this is no time for nonsense. Let's just put it that way for Disney, and yet they just keep rolling out the nonsense. So this this brings to mind a certain uh, certain scripture um, from Isaiah. It says, "Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint." Another translation of it is, where will you yet be struck? For the, uh, why should you be stricken anymore? It's, uh, it's, what's it going to take to get you to realize bad news stuff is all around you and it's your fault? Yeah. Yeah. Where will you yet be struck? A positive, a positive blip. If you haven't heard the name Oliver Anthony or you haven't heard the song Rich Men North of Richmond, congratulations because here it is and it's one of the greatest country songs ever written. Yes. I envy you because you get to listen to it for the first time. (laughs) I I envy myself because I get to listen to it for the umpteenth time. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... Here it is. He he wrote this song, "Rich Men North of Richmond," um, and it just it just speaks to the heart of real people. Richmond, by the way, is a. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Keep on kicking them down 
Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with a whole soul. These rich men know the rich men. Your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Cause the rich men, North the rich men. I've been selling my soul, working all day. Overtime hours for bullshit pay. There you go. That's a brilliant song. <clears throat> and I like what he's doing because uh, multiple outlets have reached out to him for comments or interviews and things like that. And uh, his primary response has been he's not doing any of that because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to be seen as political. He wants to keep this as raw and emotional as it is and not be thrown into the middle of politics, even though politics surrounds almost everything that <laughs> that yeah. is life. But I think it's brilliant because articles can't definitively put in their conservative songwriter puts this there, and so now the left side doesn't listen to it at all. Yeah, And I think that's part of why it's number one everywhere right now <laughs> yeah no that's a good strategy um i did i did send you a clip though of one of his first performances after the song went viral right um, it, it's only been viral for like a week or something like that yeah um but yeah why don't you so <clears throat> to set this up here if you became an overnight sensation um what what do you think your first reaction would be like message would be to this audience that now is cheering your name because most people they would like you know um laud their own success i've worked or, hard to get here you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah you know that sort of thing or maybe do some stupid political message you know kind of like what they do at the oscars and such right they I take would their hide i would hide <laughs> Let, hiding, let's let's look at what like good, uh, I wouldn't tell anyone that I won the lottery, but there'd be hints. A good recourse. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let let's watch a clip of what uh, Oliver Anthony did after he went viral. And the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for He knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that have righteousness than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. 
In days of famine, they will have plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed and they will go up in smoke. I believe that was a scripture in the Psalms. It sounded Psalmsy. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> can we can we have like musical artists like that again? That this right. is why I this is why I wish him the greatest success is because gosh dang it, we need we need influencers like that again. Is people mm-hmm. that just come from fear the grassroots. God, yeah, yeah. Fear God, care about people. Like clearly, like there there were some hit articles on him this week where I mean this is what the left does, right? Like anytime someone becomes famous for uh, opposing their narrative, they try to ruin their life. I'm sure they're, you know, looking through his past right now as we speak, trying uh-huh. to destroy him. Um, but like, th- these were like petty accusations. Like they basically said, "Oh yeah, he just made this song to make money." No, that's not how going viral works. <laughs> you know, most likely, most likely, what happened is he wrote this song expecting it to be uh, just like all his heard. Others. Yeah, by all of his other songs to be heard by the same dozen or so people that normally listens to a song. And then he was wrong about that particular song. It was heard by not just a few dozen, but millions of people. And it exploded overnight. Yeah. Apparently, uh, gingers aren't just soulless. Whatever soul they have explodes out in one massive (laughs) song like this. Um, but uh, I think I think think something like this, whether it is him or somebody else, something like this, I think will be kind of the Thomas Paine of our time. Yeah, because Thomas Paine, <clears throat> he wrote Common he was, Sense. He was yeah. kind of he was known about ish. Um, he had other works before Common Sense, but Common Sense became the most printed. Um booklet whatever thing at the time in history uh because it spoke to people's soul of what they were feeling at the time of these are the times that try men's souls things that people were feeling beat down they were broken they were tired of the king they were tired of this failed revolution they were tired of (coughs) struggling on the farm struggling to just get by struggling with avoiding the um all the stuff all the bad stuff. But at the same time, something like this rolls around and it, even though it's complaining about all the terrible stuff, it gives you hope. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I guess. Does no, it does. It's just, yes, that's how I'm feeling. And you, and you see it go viral and you think, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in how terrible I feel right now. But yeah, <clears throat> little glimmer of hope. Here at the end of uh, the busheling bushels of new stuffs. Bushelsome? Bushel. It's bushely. It's awfully bushely. It's, it's a little bushely. Ah! Thanks, Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Heard that sound effect somewhere. You're officially handicapped. So now, Mike wants us to uh, crap some bricks. <laughs> you might crap a brick when you uh, go through all the right. information I have. Uh, 
Bricks. B R I C S. B R I C S. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. They're all having their little powwow. Yep, next week. Next week. The the twenty second through the twenty fourth, I believe, is is the date for the summit. Yeah, so, so, so we don't have a show next week. It's because the internet collapsed. <laughs> Internet's not gonna collapse next week. We have we have a while before the ramifications of what's going on is is actually going to take effect, I think. But there will be ramifications. Yeah. It's it's not a matter of if, it's more a matter of when. And there will be. There will be. Yeah. So and, in other words, nobody's talking about it. And that's that's the thing that kind of bothers me about it is that <laughs> literally nobody is talking about well, it. Well, there's nothing to it really. So uh there's a lot to it. <laughs> In other There's words, a lot if it. you're listening to this week's episode, sit back and relax and enjoy it while you can because yeah. things are going to get so much worse. Let, let <laughs> me explain. <laughs> now, that would take too long. Let, let me summarize. summarize. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is going to be uh, really, I, I should do this as a slice of history because it's basically what we're doing right I now. I mean, you're in control of the board uh, over I there. Can. So I can. I can do that. It's That's all on you. Slice of history. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a notepad over there too. He's serious about this. <laughs> Dude, I have so many tabs open on my window right now. It's not even funny. Is that why your uh, computer's smoking over there? Just a little bit. So... <laughs> So I, I, I kind of mapped this all out with with references and things so you guys can can go and and, and check it out for yourselves. Insert um, red string map meme <laughs> explaining the conspiracy. I really, I need a giant <laughs> timeline board is what I need that I can just, Going to you know, yes. I, can, I, can, I can do like the, the crazy conspiracy theorist guy with the string Charlie, yarn yeah. and the... Or like a Glenn you know, Beck chalkboard. Yes, a Glenn Beck <laughs> chalkboard that works too. Either way, I've I've seen it both ways. <laughs> I've seen it both ways. So, um, to to kind of get a grasp of what is coming, we really kind of need to understand what's come before, because while history doesn't exactly repeat, it does rhyme. Rhyme, rhymey. It rhymes a lot. So. The history of America's money is simple but complicated. Right. So when America first started uh, a monetary system, it, it began with a gold standard. Like every other country like at the time. every other country. And uh, around the 1830s, it went from a standard gold standard to a de jour gold standard. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, it's really not much different. <laughs> and then in 1913, they built the Federal Reserve. Yay. In 1913, the what? Federal Reserve was required to hold 40%. Say what? When did World War One start? Uh, sometime about then. Yeah. Oh, hmm. interesting. Yeah. So, so 1913, <laughs> the the Federal Reserve started, and they were held to a gold standard. They were required to hold 40 percent of the value of the currency that it issued in gold. Fair. And they were required to have enough gold in stock to be able to trade with people. 
Now, it was about this time as well that America began pushing it, uh, the rest of the world into using American money as the um, <laughs> world reserve money. Around 1913? Yes. Again, when did World War I start? <laughs> yes. It's it's all connected. I know. And it's it's I really, know. really interesting when I've you walked, look at the history. I've walked this lonely road before. Yeah. So <laughs> and and it, it gets it gets it gets crazier. Okay. So so nineteen thirteen, the Federal Reserve uh, comes up. Federal Reserve is held to a gold standard. Uh, they begin to push for a world reserve currency. Now, a world reserve currency is uh Simply when um, a large quantity of currency maintained by central banks is used by uh, countries for investments, transactions, and international debt obligations. Now, the problem with a reserve currency is that they're pretty much always fated to collapse. Because the only way that you can maintain an actual world reserve currency is for the holder of the world reserve currency to operate at a trade deficit 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so the, the only way that you can really do anything about that is to postpone it by putting in stopgap measures. Yes. So first stopgap measure... Upon becoming a, a world res or upon trying to become a world reserve currency, because it damn near bankrupted our country. Right. To do that, we at the time only had forty four nations that were depending upon our currency. It was the uh, the original uh, United Nations. Uh, all all became the League of Nations. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Uh, all, all forty four of them all. We're using our currency for trade, okay? Our currency began to devalue at an alarming rate, causing uh, there to be a run on gold. Certainly. Everybody started buying gold and exporting it out of the U.S. Certainly had nothing to do with exporting our uh, uh, inflation. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> and so in 1933, to prevent the run on gold, Nixon removed, uh, or not Nixon, uh, Roosevelt removed us from the gold standard. Hooray. Because our inflation was out of control, not because we had a gold standard, but because we were a world reserve currency. Exporting our currency. Exporting inflation. Because <laughs> exporting currency is a terrible, terrible thing to do to your currency. So 1933 hits, we move ourselves off of the gold standard. Well, we instantly ran into problems not being on a gold standard. Oh, yeah. hold, hold on, when did World War II start? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Just, I'm just making sure I'm keeping up here. That's so, <laughs> oh, this, this gets funner. 1944. We engage in the Bretton Woods Agreement, which is the United Nations uh, forms a monetary and financial conference held in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, uh -huh. thus named the Bretton Woods Agreement, which tenuously reconnected the U.S. dollar to gold standard. 
at a rate of $35 per ounce, I believe is what it was at the time. So previous to that, when we were on the actual gold standard, it was $20 something cents. Uh, so they reinstated at $35, but they don't call it a gold standard because they allow it to inflate uh-huh. at, at a rate not in connection with gold. Therefore not being a standard. Yes, exactly. Um, and then it and gets if, fun because if, Bretton Woods <clears throat> almost immediately falls apart over the next 20-ish years um, to the point where in... Uh, 1971, uh, Nixon ends the gold convertibility of the U.S. dollar. Oh, also during this time, uh, between 1934 and 1974, I believe, it became illegal for U.S. citizens to own gold or silver. Oh, Yes, because all gold or silver had to be owned by the U.S. Treasury in order to maintain any kind of control over our inflation. What happened to our economy during that time? Oh, interesting. What year was it illegal to own currency? 1934. I did not 19, know about that. 1934 to about 1974, <coughs> it was illegal to own gold for a U.S. citizen. You you were it was it was illegal it was illegal to purchase gold and it was illegal for a bank to sell you gold like convert dollars into gold. If you had until gold until 1974, yes. If you had gold already, you could 1973 keep it. somewhere in there. I yeah. feel like that's not true. If you already nope, had it is. gold, you could keep it unless they found that you had it. Uh, yeah, unless they found <laughs> that they that you had it and then you were required to sell it to a central bank. Yeah. Um. So, in 1971, Nixon ends gold convertibility of the U.S. dollar, meaning nobody can now exchange their gold for you can't, dollars. You can't huh. go to your bank and say, hey, I got 20 bucks. I want 20 bucks of gold. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that, that it was illegal to buy gold. Yep. Yep. Until the 1970s. And so... Uh, then Nixon removes all connection to gold. 1971, uh, between 1971 and 1973 is when it was finally implemented. I am not a crook. 19, 1973 to 1974 is when they finally allowed you to start buying gold again. Um, but the problem being, we now have no way to back our money because we're no longer connected to gold at all. We just have a piece of paper. Piece of paper. It's worth a dollar. How much is that worth? A dollar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worth whatever confidence you put into it. Yeah. So August 15th, 1971, U.S. President Richard Nixon ends the gold convertibility, ends Bretton Woods system, and replaces it with the Nothing. petrodollar. <laughs> nope. He replaced it with the petrodollar. So the petrodollar was a deal that was crafted with Saudi Arabia, specifically Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia is one of the number one oil producers in the world, and they're the number one exporter in the world, I believe. Uh, at least they were at the time. I'm not sure if that's still true. But they are a massive exporter of oil. Pretty much all oil in the Middle East runs through Saudi Arabia. Mm. At one point or another, it goes through Saudi Arabia. So... Uh, the U.S. strikes a deal with Saudi Arabia. 
Saudi Arabia will use only the U.S. dollar as its uh, as its transaction currency. So everyone in the world must buy from Saudi Arabia in U.S. dollars. Saudi Arabia will then receive protection from the U.S. from all of their enemies, foreign, domestic. And Saudi Arabia, in return, will pump every excess dollar that it receives back into the U.S. That's the petrodollar. That's how it works. And that was what year? Uh, 1971. 71. Yeah, I believe, I believe 71 is when it was implemented. 73 is about when it really took off. Uh, and that's also when they ended, about when they ended the, uh, um, the stuff. Cause so, so the, the original agreement, um, lasted like 14 months and then they had to, um, like renegotiate some stuff. Um, cause the dollar value was sinking really quick. Uh, from its overvaluation, a bunch of different stuff. There's a lot of stuff that went into it. Anyway, the the long story short of that is we created the petrodollar. So our our money is backed by the fact that you can only purchase oil with an American dollar. Now, what this caused is the U.S. dollar to really become the world reserve dollar, as in every nation in the world has to have some form of U.S. dollar. Has to, yeah. one way or another. So that caused every nation in the world to buy up uh, bonds, certificates, and and U.S. debt in order to be able to purchase their oil. Right. So it seems like a pretty decent way to, you know, put it all together, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd think that'd be, you'd think that'd be fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so anyway, fast forward. So, so I knew there was something with, with that date. I was trying to remember something happened in the mid seventies, 1970s. Ah, yes. The fall of Saigon. Yes. So while we're trying to figure out our dollar, a war that we should have Handedly won. Yeah. We lost. Yeah. So, <laughs> also interesting to note that every one of these major um, economic movements has been accompanied by some form of war. Yeah. Every one of them. And most of them accompanied by some form of major war. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. So, fast forward to today. Uh, back in 2001... Ish, ish. Uh, Goldman Sachs started talking about the fastest growing economies in the world, and they tagged four specific countries as the fastest growing economies. That would be Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Oh, brick, brick. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's now called BRICS because South Africa joined uh, in 2010. That's going to be a long so, acronym if uh, next week goes as planned. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> so what is BRICS? BRICS is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. BRICS has a combined area of roughly 15.3 million square miles. 
and an estimated total population of 3.21 billion people, uh, or about 26.7% of the world's land surface and roughly 41.5% of the global population. So those five countries alone make up over a quarter of the world's land surface, meaning also over a quarter of the world's land resources. And Theoretically, yes. 41% of the population with just the five countries. Well, when you have China and India, that's kind of... Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's huge. Um, that's like 30% also, right there. Also, they have a combined GDP of 28.6 trillion U.S. dollars, which is about 26.6% of the gross world product, and a total GDP of around $56.65 trillion, roughly 32.5% of the global GDP. So it's only a force to be reckoned with. And um, Wikipedia states that they have an estimated $4.46 trillion in combined foreign reserves, which would be what you would use to purchase oil and things like that. I, however, know, and I, I wasn't able to find a reference for it. I will try to find the reference for it here later. But I, I happen to know that China alone currently, because the 4.46 was as of 2018, but I know currently this year, China alone owns $7.2 trillion worth of foreign reserves being U.S. currency. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, BRICS is not a joke. They have a lot of land, they have a lot of populace, and they have a lot of trade revenue in the world. They, they make up a large portion of these things. Okay? Um, so then, the reasoning behind BRICS... So, it, it kind of started... Like I said, back in 2001, as, as kind of just a uh, investor's way of noting these up-and-coming countries with economic growth that looked like it was going to be incredible. And um, it was 2000, around 2012, 2014, somewhere in there, I think. No, I can't find it right now. But it was it was uh, uh, mid 2010s. Uh, they actually started talking with each other, <clears throat> and since then they've had a bunch of summits. So starting in 2009, actually, is when they started doing their summits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see where it says that they actually decided to form. A, a coalition or anything here. Um, but anyway, regardless, they they finally decided to band together, and their purpose was uh, it has a, a few layers to it. The first being they want to challenge the World Bank model. So they want to challenge the Western ideal. They want to challenge Western economic standards, basically. And they want to expand. And they want no sanctions against Russia. It's basically basically what they're looking for, right? Right. 
So then you go 2022. Well, how are they going to accomplish that? Uh, first thing is they join forces, uh, begin to create trade with each other, uh, begin to support each other when the rest of the world won't. And then 2022, they decide they're going to create a currency that is going to replace the world reserve. Uh, so they're creating a gold-backed crypto. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, all kosher, that's pretty pretty uh, par for the course. Everybody kind of knows those things, right? You're going to have a crypto a crypto style currency for your thing might as well have it backed by gold. So then it's at least as digital as it is, it's backed by something physical. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then you fast forward 2023 next week on, uh, the 22nd through the 24th, they're holding yet another conference. And this one is to determine who they're going to allow to join their Alliance. Oh, nobody wants to join them because America, nobody, Nobody wants to join America as a thing. And nobody else wants to leave America. Except for everybody that hates America. Which oh. turns out to be like half the world, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, no joke. Before before anybody else joins, they make up 41% of the world population. Currently. They, as is. As is. Currently, 41% of the world population and a good chunk of the GDP and everything else. So... Now, they've got roughly 44 nations, um, and and Wikipedia only currently has, I, I believe, like 36 or 38 listed, but I know as of last week, there were about 44 yeah. that had expressed interest. Uh, A handful that are officially like, on the docket. Yeah, there's there's like 30 of them that are officially, like, have officially made a proposal application to, mm-hmm. to join. And, and 44 total that have expressed interest. Oh, that's not a big deal, right? It's probably just like countries you never heard about, like Uzbekistan or something. Uzbekistan. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I, I think... Uh, let me let me look here. Uh, nope, Uzbekistan is not among them. Oh, yeah. No. See, countries no. you never heard about. If, Yo, if they're uh, not even on the list. Not Uzbekistan. Venezuela's there, but not Uzbekistan. Well, they're controlled by a dictator. So, uh, you Vietnam know, is also there, but that's, that's same, you know, same, it's, it's not a... That's... Um, Zimbabwe, you know, not, who knows? nothing. That's nothing not the United, United Arab Emeritus. That's, that's not a... Oh, that doesn't... Hold, country, hold on, that's... That doesn't really... That's, uh, oh, wait. They're... Kind of a big U.S. Nick. ally. Oh, Me- Mexico. Well, I mean, that they're you know only they're next uh, door. Japan. Japan's Japan is the third largest economy. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. are one that has expressed interest but hasn't actually put in an application yet. Thank God, and I hope they never do. <laughs> but need we remind you what the sun looks like? <laughs> <laughs> Amongst amongst the forty four, over half of the top twenty five oil purchasing countries in the world are on the list, including Saudi Arabia. Now, why would Saudi Arabia want to do that? So, this leads to the question: What happens if someone like Saudi Arabia joins BRICS? Well, if Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, the agreement with the U.S. is null and void. Because, for one thing, Saudi Arabia has openly joined You're a hostile... You're talking about the petrodollar? Yes, I am. 
if Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, uh, Saudi Arabia will have willingly and openly aligned with a U.S. enemy. And they will also no longer need our protection because they'll have the protection of the next three largest nations in the world, military-wise. And on top of that, they will have a new type of currency to use as their reserve. If the U.S. dollar is no longer the reserve, no country in the world will need it anymore. Was that intentional? Sorry, sorry. No, that was... I mean, it was dark and ominous, so that you know, works. I mean, yeah. That works, right? So this brings me to financial war. Financial war. Yes. So starting back around 2006, 2007. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Oh, what you got? What was that? You said? So Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, uh, Venezuela, Japan. There's a, a massive, but Saudi Arabia being probably the biggest one, just because of how the U.S. So the top six oil producing countries in the Middle East are all on the list. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sorry, I yes. had to backtrack to stage that because it took me so long to yeah. find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and and this is this is where I'm getting I'm getting to the highlight the uh, the you know there's possibly a silver lining here, right? Okay. This there, this looks really really bleak. <laughs> if Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, uh, renounces the U.S. Uh, as a reserve currency, then all of the U.S.'s currently foreign currency will flood back into the U.S. because oh, none oh, of those countries will need it anymore. Well, that shouldn't really affect me. Yeah, except for only a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the basic <laughs> things you need to understand about inflation is that inflation occurs when... More money is created. Well, if more people deposit money into my bank, my money isn't worth less. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Exponentially worth less. <laughs> so, <laughs> how much money does the Federal Reserve add to the economy every year? At least $2. I actually don't know the answer to that question. I know you're not supposed to answer ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> I'm honestly asking you. <laughs> so, all right. This last year, well, not this last year, but 2020. In 2020, the Federal Reserve added $2.3 trillion to the economy. Uh-huh. Okay. $2.3 trillion. Just the two point three. Just the $2.3 trillion. And in 2020, between 2020 and 2023, 
we've had some of the worst inflation we've ever seen. Yes. Hands down, some of the worst inflation we've ever seen. At least since Jimmy Carter. Yeah. So the $2.3 trillion was put in because of... Any guesses? Anybody got a guess? Oh, say, say it again. Sorry. 2020, $2.3 trillion. What was that put into the economy for? 20, because of the... 2020. 2020. Uh, what happened to 2020? COVID. Uh, got it in one. My Corona... COVID. Okay, so COVID <laughs> forces the American economy to shut down. The government decides to hand out money, prints $2.3 trillion, inflation skyrockets, our money devalues incredibly, and we have one of the worst economic downturns since the Great Depression. <clears throat> so you're telling me that shutting down an entire, entire country's economy... And then pumping it full of fake money so the people still think that they have money is bad. Without actually producing goods from that money is bad for the country? Yeah, it's really bad for the country. So you you remember when gas was like two bucks a gallon? And now it's like I remember that I was there. Four bucks a gallon? November 2020. (laughs) It was under two bucks a gallon. Yeah. Beautiful time. Yeah, and it's it's more than quadrupled since then, right? Well, doubled, but yeah. yeah. More than doubled. More than doubled, yeah. It's more than doubled. More than doubled since then. Uh, and that was just $2.3 trillion that got pumped into the economy. So how much how much would this be? All said, 44 countries dumping their money back into our country would be somewhere in the vicinity of $70 trillion. 70. <laughs> Keith just had a stroke. <laughs> So, I'm having a yes. McConnell stroke. Right so, now. put back back to what I was getting to here. Hold, hold on to, to what you were saying. How yes. much does the Federal Reserve add to the economy every yeah. year? Well, until 2020, you probably could come up with a decent average. Okay, to kind so of so that would be about out. what was your decent average? I don't know. <laughs> so that because would be around 300 s- to 400 percent inflation. Yes, I'm stuck on. Since January 2020, the United States has printed almost 80% of all U.S. dollars that exist. Yes. Yes. Since then. Yes. Because the $2.3 trillion almost Again, that doesn't That have. doesn't necessarily mean that inflation would increase by that much because remember, like prices are de- determined by transactions. Yes. And so if Correct. your value is tied up in assets... Um, once you liquidate those assets, then you would have more uh, money chasing fewer goods. Right. But if the goods are tied up in assets, then it wouldn't be chasing those goods. Right. Which is why what's going on with bricks is so dangerous. Yeah. Because that's a flood of money that has no asset. Yes. Attached to it. And it's literally just straight on cash. On top of that, you couldn't burn money fast enough to offset what would be pouring in. From outside the U.S. On top of that, back in 2008 (coughs) with the crash, the United States bailed out the banks. Yes. Around the world. Yes. Not just the U.S. banks. Yes. Because central banking. And we weren't allowed to know about that for 12 years, I think it is. Yeah. So 2020, massive crash. Not just in the U.S., but around the world. Mm-hmm. How many banks were bailed out by the U.S. around the world 
but we aren't allowed to know about it yet because, because 12 years. Right. Well, there's a reason why they spend trillions and trillions of dollars and you can never figure out where it all goes. Uh-huh. So this brings me back to what I was going to bring all this in on financial warfare. So back 2006-2007, well, even even before that, as early as the 1970s, it was this was a, a military strategic idea. But 2006-2007 the CIA and and some of the intelligence agencies really start digging into it. This idea of uh financial warfare. So most of you have heard of economic warfare, sure, which we've been engaged in for decades. You know, that's literally what the petrodollar was, was was uh, economic warfare on everybody else in the world for whatever godforsaken reason, right? So financial warfare is the idea of using a country's currency and a country's inflation to tank the country. So rather than attacking their economy by buying up their real estate, uh, you know, purchasing their goods, jacking up their prices, reselling inside the country for ridiculous rates and things like that. They're essentially focusing it down to just the currency. And that's what financial warfare is. Okay. It's, uh, it's basically the uh, Rick and Morty thing where he goes into the planet and their currency one equals one, and he changes it to one equals zero, <laughs> and the entire like planet the just episode. collapses. <laughs> yes, that's exactly, <laughs> that's what, exactly it is. what it is. That is exactly what it is. One equals one, one equals zero. Okay, so you have two thousand six, two thousand seven. They start looking at this. Actually, I think it was a little bit before, before that. I, I believe they started looking at it around nine eleven, um, when the first terrorist attack happened. Maybe a little bit before that, they were talking about these things at least that i know of. they could have been talking about it long before that but but from what i understand from my research they started really digging into it early 2000s okay um so they they start digging into these things and they see a glaring weak spot in everything that we have which is our money because we're selling to foreign governments we've taken on the world reserve we're doing all these things that are extremely extremely risky with our currency and we're buying out all these countries we're we're bailing out all these countries we're bailing out all these banks doing all this stuff and getting nothing in return basically. getting nothing in return so the reason why the history lesson everything that i gave was important is to understand what it is that they're trying to do to offset and i don't know that it's going to be enough So, from the beginning until 1933, and then really from there until 1971, we had basically a gold standard. Gold was involved in our currency in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Uh, Roughly three, four years before Nixon finally took us completely off of gold, we were purchasing gold, our central banking systems, from the time it was, in, uh, it was conceived until slightly before 1971, our central banking system was buying gold like mad. Constantly buying gold. Uh-huh. Okay? Because it needed gold 
to back its money. Right. Okay. Just before 1971, when we were completely removed from gold, central banks start selling gold like crazy. Sold it, sold it, sold it, sold it. And they sold it for decades. We sold gold from just before 1970 until 2006. Huh. In 2006, right before the big housing crash, we started buying gold again. And we are buying gold at record highs. 2022 set a new record for tons of gold purchased by a U.S. central bank, and it was over 1,000 tons of gold purchased by a central bank. So they don't even trust their own currency anymore because they started looking at it and realizing, oh, shit, we only have, you know, certain amount of time and this is going to completely implode yeah because it is way too vulnerable but they're trying to hedge the bet they're buying gold so maybe we have some kind of backing something that'll help us float maybe we don't who actually knows <laughs> not us but yeah the long story short there is uh when BRICS happens next week and if saudi arabia is accepted into BRICS and Saudi Arabia removes the U.S. as the gold, as the, the U.S., or as the world fi uh, financial reserve, the U.S. dollar will become basically worthless. And it has... Oh, shit. It, it has very <laughs> little to do with BRICS's currency that they're coming out with. It's everything hedges on Saudi Arabia. It's everything hedges on Saudi Arabia. So... <laughs> Basically, Saudi Arabia is the asset behind our gold, and we have zero. We basically have zero control over what they do. Yeah. Well, yep. we have control and over what they do because we're offering them protection <coughs> and until somebody offers better protection. And it it's blatantly obvious when you you start looking through history and everything that we have been the target of financial warfare for the last several decades, beginning I would say prior to. The, uh, the collapse in 2008. Uh, another little known fact about that. Um, so everybody blames the, uh, uh, the loans that were given out at the time, right? The subprime loans, the fa uh, Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae Freddie, Freddie Mac, Mac. Yeah. right? So the, they, they definitely played a role in it, but the biggest thing that actually affected that market crash was um, subprime bonds. So at the time, traders could go in and purchase uh, subprime bonds on these loans that were given to subprime borrowers. And then they could turn around and sell them. And they began turning around and selling them as AAA bonds. And Warren Buffett was one of the biggest perpetrators. Warren, fat piece of crap, Buffett. Yes, exactly. And, and he was a big proponent of it pushed it really hard and then when all of those subprime loans started going belly up all of the investors panicked and it caused a huge market crash so there was multiple layers to that onion 
and it got worse the more you peeled it back. It really, really <laughs> did. And that's that's just the the parts of the skin that we can see now. You know, like who who knows what other machinations and things were going on under there. But you you can look at you know the the history of the last several years, especially you know two thousand one brick becomes a thing. They're pushing these countries are, are going to be the next economic superpower. And you begin to see the deterioration of the U.S. economic power. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it had been, and been then, getting pushed that way for a while before that. Uh, it definitely wasn't an overnight thing. But right about there is the point where you can go, yeah, that is where we started getting attacked about. Then on top of that, you start seeing 2008, you start seeing investment companies transfer, start transferring investments from typical traditional things to houses. Yeah. Which wasn't a thing for companies to do to the point where now um, uh, home purchases, uh, 20% of home purchases a year are through some sort of investment company. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. I, I plan on building an investment company and buying all the properties I can. Yes, but I'm <laughs> talking like one of the best investments you can make. I'm talking like one of the big boys. So b- yeah. they basically see, oh, the dollar's backed by nothing. Yeah. But the good faith and so this is the, this is all and trust a, uh, of the U.S. government. Um, so I'm going to get a physical asset to back my investments. Yeah. So so you have yeah 2001. Brick comes out as a as a, a push of you know up and coming ep- economics. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you begin to see the the market crash in the U.S. And then, you know, we have several years of decent, and then you know our economy's kind of floating along. Uh, then Trump hits, and our economy just right back up. Almost as if it's it's being dismantled on purpose. It's the strangest thing. <laughs> yeah. And and it really doesn't take that much to fix it, but it's being dismantled on purpose. So it's, it's, then... It's weird how... It, how do you derail <laughs> something like that? It's, it's weird how 2017, a lot of things just worked. Fell into place. Right? Yeah. And were balanced. Right? From, so from the earth and its gravitation and its uh, polar caps not moving around for a yeah. few years. And... To our monetary system kind of fixing yeah. itself. And this is this is part of why I bring up financial warfare, because it's very obvious when you look at it that way, that we were under attack and it was succeeding, and then something happened and it stopped succeeding, and something drastic had to happen to push it back on track. Who was Trump threatening the most to actually uh, straighten up and do things on the world stage? China, Russia. Huh. Brazil, huh? Canada, Can- Canada. <laughs> Wait. <Huh. laughs> so, <laughs> so he, not only not only that. So he goes he goes into office and he destroys ISIS. They are uh-huh. no longer a news story because and it was all of a sudden. It was like overnight. Yeah, because yeah. he said. Why aren't we using this Moab thing? That sounds real cool. Mother of all bombs. Seems like we should be. <laughs> seems like we should be using it, that. It seems like something that should glass a desert. So he proceeded to flatten mountains to get rid of ISIS, and then he turns around and says, "Russia, knock it off. China, knock it off. Bad deals all around." All of a sudden, things start straightening out. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. and by the way, he also um, negotiated peace in the Middle East to a yeah. large degree. That Saudi, was amazing. Saudi Arabia doesn't bat an eye at doing whatever the U.S. He ended says. the Korean War. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And then he, and well, and then COVID happens. Mm-hmm. And our economy <laughs> definitely wasn't planned. Yeah. And then Trump gets replaced by, I, I mean, I don't know what else to call him, but a puppet. That yeah. answers to China. And now, and in the middle of oligarchs. that, with the weakest president we've ever had in the history of our great nation, BRICS is taking applications. And who's on their application list? But Saudi Arabia. The only nation in the world that can tank our entire higher economy so let me ask with you a question. one move so this yeah. is all this is all uh you call it financial warfare yeah is this a long game or a short game long game it's been going on since about 2001 at least well yeah i'm, I'm saying once they actually have the currency are they going to try to tank the economy um well, it's a long game so, until it's not yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's always a long game until it's not so they already have the currency they've they've already basically developed it they just haven't and fully it launched it by yet. Gold. and it is backed by gold mm -hmm. they've um, been they've been purchasing up gold and and preparing gold for it for a while now between the five nations um and with 44 nations joining them i they're they're going to end up with over 50 percent of the land mass and i believe the estimation i saw was around 80 to 90 percent of the population of the world yeah, those countries that you listed, just in the BRICS acronym, um, like you said, it's about twenty-seven percent of the yeah. um, world GDP. Yep. But China makes up the vast majority of that. Yep. Um, China and India. Well, no, India is only about three percent of the world economy. Yes, but India provides the majority of the population That's true. density. That's absolutely true. China and India are pretty much neck yep. and neck at this point in yep. terms of population. Yeah, and and with China, Russia, and Brazil. <laughs> bolstering the the economics of india india will quickly increase from anyway that. My, my point is, anyway. is um i i i've been following the uh, the mainstream what they're saying about this sort of thing the mainstream <laughs> does not seem concerned about this no no and once again i think i think the reason that's a mistake is because well they, they may be right in the sense that, yeah, they're playing a long game. And mm -hmm. so even when this happens, it's kind of like when uh, we just uh, unbacked the U.S. dollar from gold. Mm -hmm. In the short yeah. term, nothing happened. Yeah, it, it was 20 years from the time that we cut uh, ties with, with the gold standard before uh, the, the thing that he implemented in between the gold standard and the Bretton Woods. Uh, before that collapsed. And then it was 20 years from the implementation of Bretton Woods before Bretton Woods collapsed. Yeah. Um, it, because the, the, the problem is once a reserve currency is challenged, it is literally only a matter of time until it implodes. But yeah. So what this could mean, again, the mainstream markets don't seem to be concerned about this. Mm -hmm. One of their main arguments is that the United States uh, makes up about a quarter of the world economy. Um, we're by far the largest. So does BRICS now, though. Yeah, that's true. But my point is, is if they were to collapse our economy, that would largely collapse their economy as well. Unless, that's, the, that's their argument. Yes, yes, yes. Unless, <clears throat> if you actually look at BRICS, 
just the makeup of those countries. So you have India and China providing the population. Mm-hmm. You have China providing the production for most critical things the world needs. Yeah. From medications to electronics. Yeah. You have Russia providing the oil. And Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia. Well, I'm just talking about bricks. Yeah. Bricks itself. Just just the original five. And you have Brazil also providing a decent amount of oil. Because they're They're the fourth largest population center in the world. Yes. And population. And uh, um, South Africa controls Africa. Yeah. Up, Up to Egypt. That's... They control everything but Egypt. Oh, and <laughs> Egypt is also planning on joining BRICS, by the Naturally. way. Naturally. Um, <laughs> but, but if Egypt you look, is one of the six top oil-producing countries in the world, yeah, by the if way. You, if you look at just those five, within those five, they have everything they need to support themselves. Yep. Yeah. To completely separate themselves from the, rest of the world. from the rest of the world. And they can do that for the rest of forever, especially because they don't have a problem at all with tyrannical government systems to just do what needs to be done because they don't care about the people. And again, China has people. India has people. They can lose some people in the process of doing whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. Compare that to the rest of the world, Europe, nothing being produced there. (laughs) Yeah. As far as world needs. Um, Oh, Ukraine. Yeah, Ukraine. It's working out real real nice for Ukraine. Netherlands, their current they're failed, uh, but they tried to shut down the farming in the Netherlands, which provided food for most of Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh um let's see if China, which is the m- number one spot that the US money goes to and the GDP of the U.S. depends on China buying stuff, whether it's through Hollywood or sports yeah, well, currently, or physical goods. Currently, China's economy also depends on the United States buying their goods. Right. Um, but with that, uh, if the U.S. economy collapses, the U.S. isn't going to necessarily have the means to provide the oil and all that stuff that Europe needs. And Europe isn't going to be able to trust the U.S. because their economy is in shambles. So, so like Mike said, this thing is a long game. And it heavily depends on what Saudi Arabia does. And if it swings the wrong way, yeah, when it hits the fan, it's going to hit hard. Yeah, no. So I, <laughs> this is how I think this could play out, you know, um, I think in the short term, nothing like material is going to happen. Um, like n- not, not immediately. Once again, I, I liken this to, uh, what was it? 1971 or 1973 when we got off gold, 1933. <clears throat> no, what, what, when was Nixon? When did Nixon, Nixon well, was 71, but the, the end of the gold standard was 1933. Okay. And it was and so, so it was ni- 1933 gold standard ends. 1953 is when it had to be replaced by Bretton Woods. And then 1971 is when Bretton Woods ended. I see. Okay. Anyway. So it was it was two segments of 20 years that they were they were able to salvage it for 20 years, and then they had to completely go away from it. Yeah. Point is, after that, and if if we go back to the 300 to 400 percent inflation that this has the potential to cause um, by dumping. 
the U.S. currency. Mm-hmm. To us, that's about 180 years worth of natural inflation. Yep. That's like, that. that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Put that in perspective. Like, essentially, essentially, the reason why I called it financial warfare is because once uh, BRICS has acquired Saudi Arabia and convinced Saudi Arabia to remove the petrodollar from circulation, then BRICS and the nations that BRICS encompasses are in complete control of the U.S. Because yeah. at any point, you're, they you're, can hit the delete button. Europe yeah. will have to switch to BRICS to get oil. Yeah. yeah and that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I think that they are going to continue to uh, depend to a degree on the United States um, economy, but over time it will be less. Yeah, they'll and so they can't just rip themselves off. They have to wean off of yeah. Some yes. co- some um, some consequences of this is I think some of the high paying jobs could go away from the United States and go like elsewhere. So it might be more difficult to find like a upper middle class job. I also think that because of the pressures of currency consistently being dumped, I think that could also mean that seven to you know seven to fifteen percent inflation might be become the norm, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Um, which so that also means, uh, well, I'm sorry, inflation rate, seven to fifteen percent inflation rate would be the norm, which means the the interest rates, like high in interest rates, would also become the norm. So I don't recommend ever buying an adjustable mortgage rate. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so buy <laughs> adjustable rate mortgage. The 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 one other thing I would say on this. Um, but like you said, it's it's a long game. Yeah. So it it's it, it really is a long game. And part of the long game, though, and and this is this is the other concern that I haven't brought up. I've I've only brought up America's concerns until this point. So the other concern, the other problem that uh, I I foresee here, and and I actually haven't heard anybody else talk about this, but I just on a hunch I went and looked at a map <laughs> because why wouldn't I? I love on a hunch. This, so I love when this show goes on hunches. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so think about this, okay? The the nations that are are seeking or or at least contemplating joining BRICS right now include Iran, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Syria, Palestine. What did those six countries all have in common? Terrorists. They all hate Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Which which countries? Palestine, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Syria. Did I say Syria? Syria. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iran. Palestine. Palestine. So if Remember? if BRICS accepts all of those countries into their fold, and this is this is where I'm going to get scriptural on you. This Af- is really interesting. Af- Afghanistan was, oh, Afghanistan was one of them too. Of, yes, uh, yes, Afghanistan is oh, one of them too. Before and you, uh, Pakistan. Before you get oh, scriptural, before you get terrifying. scriptural, real quick. Mm-hmm. So remember, did you know Pakistan is nuclear power? Yeah. Yes. Remember, was it last year we were talking about? Um, uh, was it last year or the year before? Talking about I do not remember uh, that China 
getting into uh, recreating the Silk Road. Yeah. All of those countries complete China's Silk Road. Yeah, they do. And with, <laughs> with one with one issue, Israel. Yeah. So one of the purposes of BRICS is expansion. If BRICS accepts all of those, grabs America by the balls, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to attack Israel. It's almost like all nations will turn against Israel. Huh. It's exactly where I was going with Sorry. That. <laughs> Did I take your punchline? Nope. I didn't mean that to. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that's, that's it. I've always wondered how it would be because because America has always stood with Israel. I've always wondered what circumstance we would end up in that would make it so that America wouldn't have fallen yet, but the entire world would stand against Israel. <clears throat> there it, it would be America's yeah. No, I can see that. America's been neutered. America has been and neutered. can't stand with Israel. Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> one thing I'll also say is... Uh, Again, if I had to put money on it, I would say that interest rates are going to uh, stay high and inflation is going to stay high. And that'll just kind of be the new norm and it'll suck, but we'll live with it. That, that's how I think it'll play out. But those numbers that we threw out, like the 350 you know, percent inflation rate, the 7 to 15%... Um, it's or, all pure speculation. You know, that's all speculation. It's all pure these, speculation. Like the scale at which we're talking about these things, it's extremely difficult to pin down. It, it is, and it is, it is an impossible all worst comprehend. case scenario. It's impossible to comprehend. Yes, it is. So the so, some of the ways and to predict, could, yeah, some uh-huh. of the ways that this could play out is it could be immaterial. Like mm-hmm. we could maybe not notice anything for years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. That's one option. Another option is like I predicted, just high inflation, high inflation rates, but kind of like I. Uh, I would say if if I had to put a guess on it, and it would just be a guess, just a just a guess, based on what I know of history, what I've seen, what I've looked at here, it, this information that I've I've brought uh, to the podcast and and the the research I've done on it, my outside guess would be somewhere around 20 to maybe 30 years for for all this devastation but to take for place. for all of this to totally take place and that's that's if bricks decides to play the long long game which they might not simply because all of their leaders right now are getting old sure yeah. and and if the leaders want <laughs> to see the change that they want accelerated and done in the next few years we could see it in as little as five. And China's yep. nearing the end of their, uh, um, what is it? Their, China does, what is it, the 100-year plan? Yeah. Or something like that. And they're nearing the end of of uh, also that plan. Fun to mention that um, most of the, the goals that uh, BRICS is working towards line up perfectly with the 2030 agenda. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's the, you want to talk about a time frame? <laughs> seven that's years. The climate change thing. Yeah. Seven years. Mm-hmm. All part of the Anyway, plan. An- another thing All I will say. All part of the plan. Anytime a government or governments try to meddle in these things, there's always unforeseen for circumstances. Yes. So because um, people push back. People, people don't like it when government does stuff like well, this. Well, not only that, they also suck at everything. That's fair. 
And it could also be too. So that, it's also possible that um, we're going to have all that inflation and all that sort of stuff, but none of the benefits will manifest that these BRICS nations are envisioning. Yeah. Like it could collapse their economies for all we know. It's kind of like, like the, the, the new world order or whatever, uh, the great reset, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like playing a game of Jenga. The world leaders think they're in control of things, but every time they move something, they inevitably shake things up. The tower shifts. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the tower shifts. And for all we know, their next move could just ruin everything. Yeah. And they could oh, unintentionally. Well, oh, okay. Do that. So the whole world would just fall apart. That's okay. That's fine. So that's fine. <laughs> so the, the, the interesting thing about it is that the, it's actually kind of impressive. The intelligence that goes into the, the kind of plan it would take to accomplish something like this against America. Yeah. Because if, if you were to fight an actual war against America, we would walk all over you. Yeah, we would completely totally. dominate you. If it wasn't, if it was an open actual war that the people of America were behind, we would absolutely destroy any nation in the world. Oh yeah. That picked the fight. And that's why Russia has never gone to war. And that's with us. Yes. In a hot war and uh, China. Yes. As much as they try to promote themselves and, and knows so, full well, their aircraft carrier that's split in half in Harbor is no match for the U S Navy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so when, when faced with that kind of just massive military superiority, the only smart option is the long game. Yeah. It's it's to put your opponent in a checkmate that they can't get out of. Stalemate. Stalemate. Yeah. It it's a a uh, check that they can't get out of. <laughs> I was thinking of chess. You, you you put them in a check that they can't move out of without putting themselves in checkmate. Like or sacrificing something really important to them. Sure. You know, that's that's the the only two options left. And and what better way to do that than to hit Americans where it hurts, in the pocketbook? What, yeah. What's it called? Where you uh, cut off your enemy from Sepicu- oh. from supplies? Uh, uh, not a blockade, but a uh, a uh, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, I have no idea. Siege, siege, siege. It's a modern day siege. It's a modern day siege. Yes, because. Because <laughs> it, it <clears throat> old school siege would not work against the U.S. Because no. we have everything we need, and sooner or later our leaders would figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if not the leaders, the people will figure out. Right. Oh, we have everything we need here. Whatever, lay siege to us, cool. Um, so instead, it's a modern day siege where, well, if we make everything stupid expensive for them, they won't be able to build ships. They won't be able to resupply their armies because it's too expensive for them to do anything with all that. I was also thinking uh, one thing that could happen with bricks also is they expand too fast or expand with the wrong leaders in the other governments where the actions that they take end up collapsing bricks itself. Yeah. So <laughs> variables <laughs> all over the place with this one. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of moving parts. So, like we said, what what we put forward there is worst case scenario. It could be that absolutely nothing comes out of it. That's what I'm really hoping. Well, the way that I look at it, 
is the foundations of the United States economy are actually, at least historically, have been quite strong. Um, <clears throat> but you do things like increase our national debt from like $5 trillion during the Bush era, I think, up to $30 trillion uh-huh. where, it, where it is now. That's, go- that's going to weaken its foundation. Yes. Then you do things like... And then add double that back into our economy from, from unused around the world. cash. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the government spending that weakened the dollar pretty substantially. Mm-hmm. Then you do things like regulation, um, just all these sorts of things like that hits at the foundation. And for all we know, again, the scale of this is just beyond comprehension. Literally, no one understands the scale of this. No one does. Um, and maybe the foundation holds up when you do things like this. And maybe this new currency, which will undoubtedly hit at the foundation of the U.S. dollar. Maybe it can hold up to it. But at a certain point, you can't keep doing this sort of stuff to the foundations and expect it to hold forever. Yeah. At a certain point, it is going to collapse. Now, whether it collapses because of a controlled demolition or because oh. you made, you did something stupid remains to be seen. We don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah. But sooner or later, if you, if you um, chip at the foundations long enough, it's going to collapse. That's just the nature of literally everything. Well, and and it it's the same story with every currency. Every new currency, when it comes out, is not accepted. Period. They just nobody wants to use it yep. until it's proven. So, one of the boons that we have, as far as time goes, is the fact that I'm I'm bricks would have to be stupid to to make a move before their currency was established and and in wide use. Sure. And so they're they're going to have to push for the use of their currency <laughs> for a few years before it'll be strong enough to to support them if they take down the the U.S. dollar. I think, which is is why I said it could be a, as little as five years, because I I think that's about how long it would take them to if they used force and really really pushed. I think that's about how long it would take them to actually enforce the use of their currency right. in their nations. <coughs> yeah, because part of that is also convincing their people to change yeah. how they do stuff. Exactly. Um, so there's a, there's a quote that's attributed to Churchill, but there's no um, official source for it. Uh, meaning like they can't find it in any writings or speeches that he gave or anything like that, but... For some reason, it's acquitted. Uh, um, it's attributed to Churchill, and he said that Americans will always do the right thing only after they have tried everything else. <laughs> yep, <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> and uh, it, whether or not it's true that he said that, I think the spirit of it is true. If you look through world history. Um, World War One, Americans tried everything else to remain neutral, and eventually we came in and straightened things out. Uh, the leaders, the people of the Americas straightened things out, but the leaders had alternative motives. World War Two, same kind of thing. Um, and you go through our ups and downs with our economy and stuff. Um, for example, um, Barack, in recent history, Barack Obama did everything he could to basically cripple uh, America's oil production. Uh, But oil production went up 
despite his attempts because of fracking. <laughs> the Americans, which he was, which he was opposed to, adamantly against it because it was causing earthquakes anyway. and going to split the earth in half and all those fun. According to his rhetoric, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So eventually, we get it right. And back to kind of how all of this started with, uh, um, not not how all this started, but uh, going back to the revolution, so Americans exhausted every other resource before we finally got it right. And Sounds it's, about right. It's, it's held, it's so far what happened almost 250 years ago now has held strong despite everything the world has thrown at it. It's just a matter of, like Keith said, how strong is that foundation after all of the chipping and banging we have done against it? both economically and culturally and politically. It's, it'll be a fun ride. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> it's the F word to use for it. It's the fun, that's, that's the F word? Fun ride. <laughs> so this has been... Oh, <laughs> wow. What was that? Can you do that again? Father... Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so this has been Mike's Magnificent Misinformation. <laughs> Thanks, Satan. Uh, it's subtle, actually. <laughs> Mike's Magnificent Misinformation. <laughs> I like Are you trying acronym. to force a segment? <laughs> <laughs> I like your acronym better, Mike. <laughs> MMM. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) the best part is depending on what's said in the segment it changes the way that you say that acronym it's either mm or mm yes yes and and the tone changes what it was that you got out and people and my english teacher said that you can't say different things with the same word in english (laughs) 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 there there <laughs> there, there, there! I said to the grammar Nazi to comfort him. <laughs> oh, that's great! Well, like, subscribe, follow, and uh, and and know that nothing we we say is uh, you know any form of financial advice or not anything. in the slightest. I'm I'm not advocating any form of of any financial change in your life. That being, but you probably want to make a financial change in your life. That being said, but make sure it's your own choices. But yeah. Make sure that, it's your own choices. That being said, having some gold <laughs> and/or silver on hand probably not the worst of ideas. Possibly, <laughs> possibly not. <laughs> and, and I once, uh, in when I used to teach Sunday school, once told the kids when we were talking about emergency preparedness, something or other. I pointed out that uh, <clears throat> whether you're camping or in an emergency, it's always good to have on hand toilet paper, which was proven right in 2020. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and cigarettes and alcohol in your storage. Because <laughs> there's going to be people that need a cigarette and that need some alcohol, and they will trade anything. What, what's the... Uh, and not only that, but alcohol can be used as an antiseptic. What, what's and, the shelf life of cigarettes? Do you happen to know that? From so long as they stay dry, that? basically forever. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, it doesn't matter. They're going to kill you anyway. So well, my wife would one. freak out. I would be like, honey, good news. I bought some cigarettes. 
She'll I used freak. to have cigarettes. She'll freak out She'll until you're able to. It's like, no, 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 honey. It's for emergency pre- preparedness. <laughs> She's reasons. obviously never been to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That stuff is good as gold. <laughs> a, pack, a pack of smokes will get you a lot in an emergency. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> no, no, that's that's sound advice. It I'm totally going to add, I'm totally totally gonna add cigarettes and to alcohol my food storage. And alcohol lasts a long time. Cigarettes last a long time. Okay. Toilet paper lasts a long time. Everybody's got to wipe their butt. Not everybody needs alcohol or cigarettes, but they do. There's a lot out they're there. Willing they're willing to trade. they're willing to trade. Yes. <laughs> and uh, with recent developments in our country, I would say maybe a little bit of weed. I mean, I mean. For emergencies. For of emergencies, of course. Of course. Of course. In Minecraft. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, little, oh, a little housekeeping. Oh, did you know that you could buy an IRA, like a gold IRA, like roll your IRA over into a gold IRA? Yes, yes. I did know that. I didn't know that. The more you Until know. last week when I started figuring all this shit out. <laughs> and I was like, huh, what can I do? Oh, I found things. Um, but yeah, a little housekeeping is uh, you might start seeing two episodes from us a week because we're thinking of uh, kind of splitting this up where we'll have an hour with news-related thingies. And then, the hour and then an hour segment. of basically what we just did, which may or may not include frivolous things or serious. I say we play cash flow next time. <laughs> or playing cash flow. <laughs> I do have that board game, actually. I have that board game too. Yeah, it both like, versions of it. It was well, there, two of the versions of it. Anyway, isn't it like a hundred bucks on eBay these days? Uh, I don't know. It was like seventy bucks on yeah their actual it was like, website. It was like an expensive board game. But it is yeah, a pretty expensive anyway, board game. You might be seeing that. So then, if you're it's a, a free app or a dollar seventy nine for an app, though. Oh no, kidding! You yeah, can buy the app. You can buy these an app days. for it. Oh, yeah. cool. Anyways, so if you're a picky choosy kind of person, or for some reason you can't figure out how to listen to an hour and then get on with your life and listen to another hour. We will split it we'll for split you. We'll split it for you. <laughs> we'll do we the will work cut for your you. cake into pieces <laughs> that you can have too. <laughs> and then you can have your cake and <laughs> eat, eat it. it as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, watch what for that. What the hell is even that? May start next week. It may start the week after that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But yeah. That's it. Nazi fags. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> For all, all of that. <laughs> all of that. Uh, like, subscribe, follow social medias. Links in the description. Blah, blah, blah. <gasps> Bye. Bye. So do we need to say bye again and hit the button so that you have something to put at the end of the first segment now? (laughs) Bye! Recording. Are you recording? I am recording. I'm not ready for that kind of commitment. <laughs> <laughs>
And he's got the clap and he's giving it to you. People missed it last week. They did. I'm sure they did. Although, in our defense, I put uh, insert mic clap joke here. Insert mic clap joke. (laughs) Thanks, Satan. It's subtle, actually. Actually. (laughs) Clever girl. My mad board skills. Second only to most people. (laughs) A commanding second place. Commanding second place. (laughs) Only behind the other 14 million people that do podcasting. (laughs) Number one, 14 million podcasters. Number two, Mike. (laughs) But we're not last. But we're not last. Because number three is everybody that doesn't do podcasts. <laughs> and we are beating them. And we are beating <laughs> Handedly. Like I said, <laughs> commanding second place. Yes. Commanding <laughs> second place. <laughs> Two out of three is not a bad spot to be in. You could say it's not even half bad. It's not. It's a third bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're the best losers. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right. Should we get the show on the road? Uh, let's get the road on the show, yeah. Let's do it.